Hello, everyone, and Happy New Year. Thanks for joining with us for this week's podcast. As per usual, before we begin our time together, I want to take a moment to let you know a bit of what's coming up in our community. So for this episode, our guest teacher is Tim McAlpine. He's the pastor of discipleship at Trinity Christian School here in Calgary. And then coming up on January 11th, we have our next discipleship pathway. And for that event, we're actually focusing on the core practice of TELL. So we know that we have good news to share, and we just finished celebrating it, a big part of it, uh, this Christmas. But how do we actually grow in sharing our faith through word and action? And so this is a church-wide event. It's for kids as well, and you can register to come on our website or on Realm. And again, the date is January 11th, and it starts at 7 p.m. The best way to know what's going on at Southview is by checking out our weekly viewpoint, and you can find a link to our viewpoint in the episode description of this podcast. And if you're new with us here in this digital space, we would love to hear from you, and you can find an online connection card at the bottom of that viewpoint, along with a prayer request form so that we can support and join you in prayer. And additionally, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook. But now today, no matter how you're joining with us, may each of our hearts be open and expectant because God is here and Jesus invites us to bring all that we are and all that we're currently carrying to him. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, let's seek the face of God together. Well, hi there, Southview. It truly is a joy to be with you again. Uh, as mentioned, my name is Tim McAlpine, and uh, I think it was in July that I had the opportunity and um, just the honor and the joy to, to serve in this capacity. And, and so to be back with you again today is a gift. Um, I'm not sure if I did the last time, but oftentimes when I, when I am a guest speaker somewhere or preaching, I just like to share my four main loves, C.S. Lewis kind of said something along the lines of, you can tell a lot about a person by what they love. And so, so my first and foremost love would be Jesus. He would be my Lord and my Savior and my greatest treasure. I have everything I need with him and I have nothing without him. Uh, second would be my family, my wife, my bride, and I have been married for 14 and a half years. Uh, blissful marriage, just been nothing but perfection. And uh, that's a joke. We have, uh, we have three kids. Uh, Adeline is 12, Tobin is 10, and Livy is two. We did that strategically because then it's four on one uh, on the two-year-old, so terrible twos are nothing when you split it up four ways. Um, I uh, deeply, deeply love the local church, believe in the local church. I think that in and through Christ, the local church is the hope of the world. Uh, and I love the Bible. And I, lo- I think the Bible actually is inerrant and fallible, and, and is God's word to us and reveals everything we need to know about life and godliness. Um, this evening, or today, today, what I want to do is, uh, is take a look at a, well, if you're familiar with the Psalms, a fairly well-known Psalm, being that um, we're in this season of New Year, oftentimes I've heard sermons on the, the ways in which we're going to change our lives to make our lives better. And I'm not very good at resolutions, and I'm not a big fan of hypocrisy, so I didn't want to just give you a bunch of ideas that you should do, and I won't. Uh, what I wanted to do today was just to remind us of who God says he is through his word, in hopes that that might rejuvenate and, and bring to life the, the, the hope that we have in him, in him alone. Uh, our text today is Psalm 46. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there now. Uh, I'm going to read this text, and friends, this is the word of the Lord. Psalm 46 says, God is our refuge and strength 
a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose stream make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolation on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters, shatters the spear. He burns the chariot with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Would you pray with me? God of grace, we thank you for today. We thank you that all of us here now have experienced your mercies that were given to us new this morning, whether we acknowledge them or not. Father, we thank you that uh, you transcend time, that there is nothing that is happening in our lives that you are not completely sovereign over. And Jesus, I just ask that as we hear from you from your word, that you would just be so kind as to minister to each of us in the specific ways that we need. That those that need to be comforted would be comforted, that those that need to be convicted would be convicted, that those that need to be encouraged and rejoiced would do so. And Father, would the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O God, my rock and my redeemer. By your grace and for your glory, in the beautiful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Elizabeth Elliot was the wife of missionary Jim Elliot. Many of you may be familiar with the story. He was a missionary who went to Ecuador to minister to the Aka Indians, and as he was doing so, was martyred. Elizabeth would actually go on to remarry a man by the name of Addison Leach, and he would actually die a, a slow death from cancer. Reflecting on her experiences and tying it in almost to Psalm 46, Elizabeth is quoted as saying the following, everything that seemed most dependable has given way. Mountains are falling, earth is receding. In such a time, it is a profound comfort to know that although all things seem shaken, one thing is not, God is not shaken. God is not shaken. I don't believe it's a leap to assume that that type of faith and that declaration and the ability to live in that type of space didn't happen overnight. But that someone like Elizabeth would be reminding herself over and over and over again of who God is, of who God promises to be, in spite of circumstances. Our context uh, this, this evening there are a few different uh, beliefs of when this psalm was written, the one that I like and works really well for my sermon. So we're going to use, and it was in a commentary, and they're smarter than me. They have more degrees in Fahrenheit. So this commentary talked about how this psalm was written around the time of King Hezekiah, 2 Kings. 
And it's around this time where the Assyrian conqueror Sennacherib was invading. He had a massive army and was infiltrating. And he came to Jerusalem and he made ridiculous demands that the Jews would surrender. King Hezekiah, at the, as, uh, as was counseled by Isaiah, brought his request before the Lord. And we read in Isaiah 37, 36, it says, The angel of the Lord went out and struck down 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. Sennacherib would withdraw in disgrace and later himself be disposed of. And in light of that context, as we read these words and we read this psalm together, I want to remind us three things of who God promises to be from his word. The first is that God is our refuge and strength. The second is that God is our peace. And the third is that God is our hope. So God is our refuge and strength. Verses 1 to 3, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Selah. God is our refuge. Refuge could be defined as a, a place of safety or maybe a person of safety. I can think of a number of folks in my life that play this type of role. Someone that I can go to, that I can trust, that I can confess sin, that I can share in joyous occasions. But often for me, a person of refuge is one who provides protection. And in our family, we have four kids. Growing up, Todd, Tammy, Tim, and Taylor. He's so cute. Right? If my parents are Bill and Heather McKelvin. If you see them and you want to poke fun at that, feel free. I mean, we do. We, we think it's hilarious. But Todd, Todd is the oldest. And Todd and I, we, we maybe didn't get along amazingly as children. But there was one thing that I knew about Todd and still continues to this day. And that was that Todd would do anything to protect his family. And he had a little brother who had a bit of a mouth on him and would get himself in trouble. We're not pointing fingers, and it doesn't matter who that was. He's got two brothers, so. Um, but I, actually, I remember a number of times growing up as a kid where my brother would have to step in and provide that protection. I'd got myself in trouble in the schoolyard, and he would engage in physical altercations and often won those. We'd get a bit older, and in our late teens, early 20s, we'd be out together, and, and my posture of... Like when I was with him, I was 6'6", 230 in my mind. Like I was, no one could touch me because no one was going to get to me. And they had to get through my big brother to get to me. And, and I, there was a number of instances there where someone looked at me, and obviously they were looking at me in a certain way, and I had to look back at them and say something. Todd would have to intervene. He would then pull me aside. And I remember one time he said to me, I might not be there one time, you know? You need to be careful because I might not be there to protect you. I think there's this idea and, and that we can have expectations of what refuge is. And when we have a misunderstanding of what a refuge is, it causes us to behave in a way that actually gets us into trouble. And, and here's, here's what I, I want to, to warn us against, is allowing us in our own minds and our own hearts to project what we think God should be as our refuge and not what he's declared to be as a refuge in his word. 
And what I mean by that is I think at times we think God being our refuge means nothing bad will happen. That if God's my refuge, I'm not going to experience pain and hardship and hurt. And if I do, God has failed. What, what kind of refuge would allow these things to happen? And in my experience, because I had that type of mentality and I projected my expectations onto God of what he should do for me, which is hilarious, when he, when he failed in my interpretation, I pursued every worldly refuge that I could think of. Because if he wasn't going to do it, I was going to find something else that would something else that would protect, something else that would provide me that safety. And I aggressively pursued things of this world, looking for a refuge, looking for fulfillment, looking to to find that sense of whatever it was that I was looking for. And it just instilled within me more and more fear and confusion. And I promise you, every single worldly refuge I pursued, over-promised, under-delivered, and failed. But it was in that failure of all these other refuges that I was brought to a place of surrender. Charles Spurgeon put it, we never understand how safe our refuge is until all other refuges fail us. And it took, it took a lot of pain, but, but coming to a place where I just said, Lord, let all of these fail so that I might know what is true, right? what it means that you're my refuge. And if he's our refuge, then he becomes our strength. If he's the one that, is, that, we, that we entrust to ourselves, that we can declare in the midst of incredibly difficult circumstances, God is not going to be shaken. He will be our strength. But it's not until we appropriate our faith. It's not until we actually say, I'm going to trust you with this, that we can experience his strength. It's just, it, there's a, a, a disconnect if we assume that God will be our strength, but he's not going to be our refuge. But when we appropriate our faith in Jesus as our refuge, then we can experience his strength as well. And oftentimes I find that it's when our weaknesses are just exploited. You know, Paul says in 2 Corinthians twelve nine, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest on me. And as I, I, I've had a number of struggles, I shared a little bit last time I was here in my own battle with alcohol. And what I discovered was God actually began to restore sanity into my life, brought back peace and restored broken relationships and redemption not when I pulled myself up by my bootstraps. Not when I demonstrated that I was truly sorry this time. But when I just gave up. When I just said I can't, but you can. And in the same way, I think if we are willing to just come before him. If we want to know what it's like to be a refuge, we need to lay down all other refuges that we are, we are pursuing, whether it's money, whether it's status, whether it's relationships, whatever it might be, lay it aside and say, these aren't going to do it. But Jesus, I need you. I need you to do this. And I love what, I love what the psalmist does. In light of who God is, 
Notice that he says a very present help in trouble. This is not a future thing. This is not a past thing. This is a today thing. That God is our refuge and strength today. Therefore, in light of that, in light of that truth that's just been declared, we will not fear. We will not fear. Like, my life has been driven by a hundred different forms of fear. And I, I, always, I always divert to fear when I forget. Like, when I forget who God promises to be, that's when I get afraid. And, and fear causes us to panic. And what our text has done for us is to remind us why, why we don't need to fear. Why we don't need to live in, and, and this is not saying don't feel afraid. It's saying don't allow fear to be your motivation. Don't allow fear to be the engine that drives you. And, and the pictures that it gives. Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. These are powerful images. And what I found too, and it, as I mentioned, just trying to find these worldly refuges and, and the way in which they fail. I like how John Calvin put it. He said, those who anxiously seek, <clears throat> excuse me, to strengthen themselves on all sides with invincible helps of the world seem indeed to imagine that they are able to prevent their enemies from approaching them. But it often happens that the very defenses which they had reared turn to their own destruction. But they who commit themselves to the protection of God, although the through, love this, the estimation of the world, they are exposed to every kind of injury and are not sufficiently able to repel the assaults made upon them, nevertheless repose in security. How much energy gets wasted in trying to preserve and protect ourselves? And in those efforts, suddenly it's just like everything that I did, that I built up to protect myself, has fallen. I want to suggest to us this evening that, that in, in those times when we experience the painful loss and the reality that the things that we have built up around us fail, that this is actually... The, the kindness of God to help us see the lies that we've believed. And, and what I've found is in those painful times is when God is actually making us more like himself. You know, I'm, I'm convinced of this, that God is far more concerned with our holiness than our happiness. And that at times he might shatter our happiness for the sake of our holiness. And he is so kind to do that. The psalmist makes it, paints this picture of, of destruction, and, and, and in light of that, even with that going on, God is our peace. Verse 4 says, There is a river whose stream make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, and the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our fortress. God is our peace. Verse 4 makes a dramatic statement about the blessing that comes from the presence of God. You know, Jerusalem wasn't known to be near a, a body of water, a, a stream. But this picture 
of a stream flowing is something that we see all throughout Scripture. Genesis 2.10 says a river flowed out of Eden to the water of garden of the garden. Pardon me. And then in Revelation 22 says the last, um, the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the lamb through the middle of the street of the city. He says that the, this, the, the city is, is glad. This makes glad the city of God. What makes glad the city of God? It's the presence of God. It's the reality that God is with us. Emmanuel. And I think there's um, something that's just been resonating with me recently. Is, you know, Matthew 6, where Jesus says, do not be anxious. For a lot of years, I read that, and I, and I read that as like a command. Like a boss saying, like, stop being afraid. Don't be anxious. But in reality, it's a statement of compassion from a loving Savior who's saying, don't be anxious because I'm present with you. And if you're to go to the verses before that, he actually says, listen, don't focus on the world. Don't store for yourself things on earth that moth and rust can destroy, but, but lay your treasures up in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy because where your treasures, there your heart will be also. And, and Jesus is, he's saying to us, listen, you don't need to be anxious about the future. And, and if we're feeling this anxiousness, perhaps it's because our focus is on the things of this world. Perhaps we've put our focus and we're paying attention to the things of this world and we're not fixing our gaze on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And this picture that we can have peace because God is present with her in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. The nations rage and the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice and the earth melts. As, as Spurgeon put it, he gave forth a voice and stout hearts were dissolved. Proud armies were annihilated. Conquering powers were enfeebled. And this psalmist is referencing the church, and we are a part of that church. And we can be glad because we can have peace because we know that Christ is with us, that he is present with us, whatever it is that we're going through. And finally, God is our hope. God is our hope. Come and behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolation on the earth. He makes the wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear and burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. That statement, come and behold, the, the Bible is full of these statements, these reminders to come and to see what God has done. I think of Genesis 50, uh, 24 and 25, where Joseph says this. Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die, but God will visit you and bring you out of this land to the land that he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely visit you and you shall carry up my bones from here. Joseph wanted them to bring his coffin with them into the promised land. Why? Because 
there's going to be times where things get difficult. There's going to be times where you're facing situations and circumstances that cause us to forget. And what I want you to do is see my tomb and remember God's faithfulness to his promise to bring us to this promised land. And friends, we don't have Joseph's tomb with us. We have an empty tomb of our Savior to remind us that we can come and behold the works of the Lord that I would encourage you to, to come and behold the works of the Lord. Come and behold the heel on the serpent's head. Come and behold the ark that was built. Come and behold the, the parted sea for the people to walk across. Come and behold this reality and this truth that there's there no, therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Come and behold that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Come and behold that he made him who knew no sin to be sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Come and behold this Savior who lived perfectly on our behalf, because he knew even this day that we would miss the mark. Come and behold the cross on which our Savior hung and absorbed the full wrath of God, that we would never have to taste the eternal sting of his condemnation. Come and behold this empty tomb. Come and behold the reality that he has ascended, that he's seated at the right hand of the Father. Come and behold this truth that he is coming again, and one day all sin and all of its effects will be wiped away. Come and behold. There's a lot about the year ahead that I, I don't know. And I don't, I don't know where you're at. Maybe you're here and you feel like there's 185,000 enemies attacking you. But as I was saying, I want to encourage us. If, if we want to be relieved of, of being consumed by fear, we need to come and behold so that we can, we can say, all things are shaking around me, but God is not shaken. God has just given us countless reasons to come and behold. And then he, he says this. He says, be still and know that I am God. I want to suggest that be still does not mean that we are to kind of undertake these lives of, of just kind of mystic contemplation, right? That we become passive and inactive, but rather that we are called to stand before God because of what Christ has done. Never forget what the author of Hebrews says, that we can with confidence draw to the throne room of grace and called to stand before God and rely utterly on his power and to stop relying on, on the power and our man-made strategies to manufacture success. We are to be still before the Lord and know that he is God and I am not. And cling to this promise. I don't, like sometimes when the world's going cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, like I forget this, but, but this reality that God is declaring, I will be exalted among the nations. He will be. One day, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. I will be exalted in the earth. And the course, again, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Uh, there's a lady by the name of Lisa 
Beamer, whose husband Todd was, was on one of the flights uh, from 9-11 and, and fought for control of this hijacked plane and he would lose his life in his efforts. And, and she said this, I can't see all the reasons God might have allowed this when I know he could have stopped it. I don't like how his plan looks from my perspective right now, but knowing that he loves me and can see the world from start to finish helps me say it's okay. Faith means regardless of circumstances, we take him at his word that he loves us and he will bring us to a good result if we just trust and obey. When our lives seem out of control, you know, and, and the stories of our lives maybe won't make the evening news, yet for the comfort of, of, of Psalm 46 will console us. I, I, like, I, think it, I think it was Martin Luther actually said, let us together sing psalm, this psalm, Psalm 46, and the devil do his worst. But I have three things to leave you with, and, and then we'll be done. Um, first is this. Don't allow God's patience to be viewed as inaction. What do I mean by that? I mean that I think sometimes in my, in my counseling of students in particular, but also adults, it, it, it's kind of like we, the question of like, where is God in this? What is he doing? Um, and, and, and that can lead to a lack of faith that, that kind of says, you know, God's not doing anything. And, and let us remind ourselves of how patient and long-suffering God is, that he is gracious, that he has a purpose in all things. My dad always tells me, God's always doing something. He's never doing nothing. And, and what if we said, maybe I don't see what's happening, but God is being patient and God is, God's plan is playing out exactly as he intended. Secondly, to remember to come and behold. To come and behold, to, to, to scour the scriptures, to remind ourselves of all that God has done, all that God promises, all that God will do. He's not going to fail. He's not going to stop doing what he's always done. And finally, to take refuge in his renewing and redeeming work. Jesus has promised he, he is reconciling all things to himself. That all of this is going to make sense one day. That all of this is going to pan out. And that we can take refuge in that, that we can put our faith in that so that when these hard times come, and maybe you're facing them today, that we can say, God will not be shaken. Friends, God is who he promises to be. Jesus is our refuge. Jesus is our strength. Jesus is our peace, and Jesus is our hope. Would you pray with me? God of grace, we thank you for who you are. Thank you that you are our refuge and our strength. Thank you that absolutely nothing is happening in our lives or in this world that is out of your control. God, I just acknowledge that there are a lot of distractions, and God really... For, it's just valid things that, that can deter us and distract us from staying focused on you. Lord, we, we need your help by your spirit, through your word, to draw us back to you that we would be reminded of who you are. We would be reminded that you are our refuge. 
that you truly bring peace and that you are our hope for all eternity. Jesus, you know the hearts and the lives of all in this room. Would you just speak to us as we need to hear? Go with us as we go. And, and would, it, would this be a time, Father, where we are just stepping out in faith, declaring you will not be shaken, that you truly are our refuge, our strength, our peace, and our hope. We pray by your grace and for your glory in the name of Jesus. Amen. I, uh, I'm going to leave us with a benediction. Perhaps would you stand with me as I read this? Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Go in peace.